Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. As you sit and settle yourselves, I would like to offer a word of thanks from my family to you, to this congregation for your Caring and Wellness Committee, for uh, taking care of us after Doug's double knee replacement. We are most grateful for the meals that you've brought to us. We've been overwhelmed by your generosity and also by your prayers. And so uh, from Doug, from myself, from our family, our deepest thanks. There are many mountaintop experiences in life. There is getting your driver's license, being accepted into your first choice of university, winning a championship game. There is the big promotion at work, the purchase of your first family home, the birth of a baby. There is the declaration of peace at the end of a bloody war. There is the release of the unjustly imprisoned. There is relief at the end of a natural disaster. There is the discovered cure to a disease. There is the birth of a brand new nation. There is climbing to the top of Mount Everest. There is winning a gold medal. There is a unified Korean team of Olympic athletes. There is a blazing giant cauldron against a night sky. Life is punctuated by mountaintop experiences. Today we discover Jesus on top of a mountain. There are ephemeral visions of the prophets. There is a booming voice from heaven. There's a dazzling display of glory. But quite suddenly, this sublime moment, like all mountaintop experiences, ends. Mountaintop experiences are fleeting. Quite suddenly, life transforms from the extraordinary back into the ordinary. Before you know it, there are bills to pay and planes to catch, and one relieved drought or hurricane is quickly supplanted by fear of the next, and life goes on. From time to time, we all ascend the mountain, but just as quickly, it seems, we all descend into the valley below, This is not in any way to undermine this day, the glory of this day, which the church calls 
Transfiguration Sunday, a fancy word which frankly means very little in our daily language. While today is truly a breathtaking glimpse of the glory of God and the person of Jesus on the mountain, the question is, is the glory of God only revealed only on top of the mountain that day, or any day for that matter? In other words, is God exclusively the God of the mountaintop? Or can the glory of God also be revealed in the valley below, where most of us live our lives? For it is in the valley where we live, it's in the valley where our dreamers fear deportation, where our women are raped, where our mentally ill are mocked, where our heroes fall from grace, where our leaders lie, where skies are searched for incoming missiles, where our students are shot, where our worshipers are stabbed, where our minorities still combat hate crimes, where our masses battle opioid addiction, where our elected leaders care more for parades and walls than they do for the well-being of the marginalized and the vulnerable. This is the valley in which we live our daily lives, not on the mountaintops. But that's not news to you. You know that you dwell in the valley. But do you know that Jesus does too? Do you know that Jesus does not proclaim lofty decrees from the mountaintops to those of us who dwell below, but rather that he journeys right down into the valley with us, that he leaves his rightful place of glory to take his place by our side. That is the miracle of this transfigured Jesus. Not that he reveals his glory on the mountaintop, but that he willingly leaves the mountaintop and descends into the shadows of humanity. Martin Luther calls this the theology of the cross, meaning it is in the dark and shadowy valleys of humanity where the cross of Jesus Christ shines most brilliantly as a symbol of strength and vulnerability, as a beacon of compassion and empathy, as hope for those of us who have lost hope. Luther stands his theology of the cross against his theology of glory, which claims the mountaintop as a human achievement, planting a flag on God as a sort of commodity, which manipulates God into a crazy, kind of weird, holy puppet by giving thanks for this much-deserved fishing boat or giant promotion at work as examples of answered prayer or God's faithfulness, turning a blind eye to the hungry and the sick and the dying among us. This is modeled by some world leaders who even go so far as to claim they are responsible for safely holding airplanes in the sky when, in fact, we know they do not. God's God's mountaintop promise of the resurrection of the dead would mean nothing to us were it not for the promise that Jesus makes to humankind to journey with us into the valleys of humanity. In other words, Jesus doesn't stay up on the mountaintop where his linens are dazzling white. Instead, he journeys with us down below where linens are bloodied and soiled. Austin Schrader died three years ago this April, on April 28th, in fact, at the age of 15. Austin was diagnosed with T-cell lymphoblastic lymphoma in April of 2014 and initially had an optimistic prognosis. However, after just over a year, his treatments failed 
and doctors and family realized that Austin's death was imminent. I had the privilege of praying with Austin's family numerous times before his death and also speaking at his funeral. And although I had attended the deaths of several children in the past, this one struck me like a bolt of lightning, or like a flash, if you will. That was his nickname. Anyway, this time was different because it occurred to me this child could have been my own. I saw in him the same curiosity about life, the same sweetness, the same adoration of his mother and father, the same innocence that I see from time to time in my sons. This 15-year-old man-child faced his death bravely and kindly, thanking his nurses each time they stuck him with a needle. And I wondered bedside with Austin, earnestly wondered, as a Christian, as a pastor, as a mother, how does Christian faith respond to a family as they watch their child die? Does our faith offer promises of the resurrection of the dead and life everlasting? Yes. Does our faith assure the dying and the grieving of the grace of a glorious God who loves them no matter what? Yes. But these things mean nothing unless our faith includes the reality that this same God does not love us remotely from on high, but also descends with us into the valleys where we live, where our children die, where death closes in on all sides. There are plenty of inaccessible false deities in the world who command creation from afar or who try to, as if waving a magic wand from some distant planet. But our faith confesses God made man, Jesus Christ, true God, yet true man, who willingly lives in the valley where he could stay on the mountaintop. And what does that mean for Austin? But that, yes, God received Austin's soul and absorbed his being into eternity the day that Austin died, yeah. But it also means that with every needle stick and every round of chemotherapy, God was with him. Emmanuel, in the touch of the nurses and in the caresses of his family, in the nausea, in the pain, in the weakness. Almighty God chooses to dwell with the vulnerable in this world, with us, sacred space, holy space, always siding with the vulnerable. So what we discover today on this Transfiguration Sunday is a God who is altogether different than anything humanity has ever known or ever will know. This is not a God who resides on regal mountaintops, comfortably calling for majestic parades or protective walls. This is a God who breaks walls down and embraces the very ones whom walls seek to exclude and parades seek to manipulate. And God does this by feeding the hungry, by honoring the faithless, by touching and healing the deaf, the mute, the blind, the unclean, the paralyzed, by siding with the homeless, by calming human fear, by casting out evil and restoring the victims of evil to human community by preaching sermons of hope to a skeptical and cynical people, by offending the religious authorities by healing on the Sabbath, by welcoming sinners and eating with them, by touching and healing an unclean woman who had been menstruating for 12 years, by raising a dead little girl back to life who was the daughter of the very ones trying to kill him. This Jesus whom we encounter in the Gospel of Mark is a valley dweller, 
just like us. Jesus is no stranger to our humanity and all that goes with it. Today we catch a fleeting glimpse of who Jesus really is. He is Son of God, who communes with the spirits of the prophets of old, who converses with voices from heaven, who flashes brilliantly bright, but he is also Son of Man, who forsakes all his rightful glory to live in the valley with us, to schlep through the same muck we schlep through every day. This is the God whose parade, just six short weeks from now, consists not of a mighty display of military power, but instead a single lowly donkey in a solitary parade into Jerusalem, where another mountain awaits, but this time with no glorious voices or majestic visions, but instead with a cross perched atop, awaiting execution that will crush death forever. Jesus reveals to the world a God who, when confronted with the choice between crushing humiliation and eternal grace, always chooses eternal grace. To you, then, in your daily battle against your mortality, in your unending struggle against voices and powers that seek to own and condemn you, you do not, don't underestimate the power of God to raise the dead to life. But even more than that, do not underestimate God's desire to walk with you through the valleys in which you live. Even though Jesus rightfully belongs on that mountaintop with Elijah and Moses and dazzling robes, he chooses to descend into the valley to walk with you. Not because he has to, but because he chooses to in life, through death, and into the eternal. Amen.